This is Stanley bringing you the sound doctrine of the Bible. Under God, I conducted sound doctrine seminars in 1997, 2007, and 2012. The talks of these seminars are now made available to you in segments of 10 to 15 minutes each. They are for your enlightenment and edification. We continue from what we saw in the previous segment. There are several gaps that we need to look into for proper interpretation. And when we understand that gap properly, interpretation is going to become easier and easier. The sixth gap we can think about, it is a customs gap or cultural gap. The cultures and customs speak about what people think, what people speak, how they articulate their feelings and what they do. That's what the culture is all about. The customs and cultures of people in Bible times perhaps are totally different from our cultures and our customs. Now for this aspect of customs or cultures, I am going to give you 12 examples. Number one, political culture. You can call it national culture or civil culture. These are all synonymous words, but you can put it as political culture. Now turn with me to an interesting passage in book of Philippians, third chapter, and look at verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. You may wonder why Paul suddenly writes about citizenship to the Philippian believers. The city of Philippi was a colony of Rome, that is Italy. So the people in Philippi, even though they were in Italy, they were not given Italian citizenship. But they had Italian rights of enjoyment of certain privileges. I will give a simple example. We have many Sri Lankans here in India. They can go for ration shop. They can go in your train, travel in your buses. They can enroll their children also in your schools. But they have no Indian citizenship. The city of Philippi was a colony of Rome, that is Italy. Now these Philippian believers in a different land, enjoying the privileges but no citizenship. Paul is now encouraging. Don't worry, you have no citizenship here. You have got citizenship in. So it was an encouragement for those people sitting in that context. Today we, for us Indian believers, we have citizenship in India. So for us, we need to say, we are Indian citizens, ultimately going to settle in heaven. We should not say we have no citizenship here. Philippian believers could say that, but Indian believers cannot say that. If you say that, you are not having patriotic feeling about India. It will lead to a lot of political conflicts. Already there is a group in the church which has gone into political conflict in India. If you want, I will tell that name, Jehovah Witnesses. They refuse to salute the Indian flag. What did they say? Our citizenship is not here, our citizenship is in heaven. And the government began to very seriously think, then why do we keep Christians here in this country if this country does not belong to them and they don't belong to this country? When David Lord says, let all Christians get out of India and go to their own countries, don't get angry with him immediately. 
Some of our own brothers have betrayed us. Those brothers are Jehovah's Witnesses. Why did they come to their conclusion? Wrong interpretation of Philippians 3.20. So like that I can give you so many examples in history where a little folly takes to great fallacies. I'll give you another uh, example. This is example number two. Religious culture. First we considered political culture. Now we move on to religious culture. How many plagues did God bring on the Egyptians? We read them from the 7th to the 11th chapter of the book of Exodus. How did God choose these kinds of plagues? Along with all those plagues, the Egyptian gods and goddesses were associated. Take for example the river Nile turning into blood. Because that was an attack on Apis, A-P-I-S, which is the god of river Nile. And everywhere into the Egyptian homes and uh, there were frogs. That was an attack on a goddess of birth in Egypt which had a frog-like head. Then we had the plague of locusts. And there was a sky goddess responsible for fertility and the flourishing of crops. So that was an attack locusts. So when God took his people out of Egypt, he gave a specific and specified promise. I will not put any of the diseases I put on Egyptians on you. Actually, people of Israel suffered from many diseases. But the plagues that he brought on Egyptians, God did not bring on them because there is no God or goddess behind any of these things in the Israelite religion. They had the worship of that monotheistic worship, that is Jehovah worship, one God worship. So the fury that God uh, emptied upon the Egyptian idolatry, God withheld whenever he dealt with the people of Israel, even when they were disobedient or rebellious. Quickly let us move to New Testament. There are two good Old Testament festivals beautifully reflecting in realization in the New Testament. The one is Passover. Jesus was crucified exactly on the calendar day of Passover. So God decided the day of death for Jesus to fit exactly into that figurative type of Passover in the Old Testament. That makes a full sense for an Israelite who all the time thinks about Passover. For the same reason, God chose another day called Pentecost. It was called the day of Pentecost. Just like God decided the day of Passover for the day of crucifixion of his son, he decided the day of Pentecost for the birth of the church or the descent of the spirit. That was 50 days after resurrection or 10 days after ascension. But we can get into wrong interpretation. It took 10 days for the disciples to really purify themselves and prepare themselves and heat up themselves, warm up, warm up, warm up and come to a point when they could blow. They reached a point of being qualified, they just, the Holy Spirit came. But that's not what the Bible says. 
the bible say when the day of pentecost was fully come it does not say when the disciples were fully ready when the calendar day come the holy spirit came because the entire concept of tarrying for the holy spirit it started from this 10 day business that is because the religious culture was not taken into consideration for interpretation and still that continues example number 3 economic culture turn with me to ruth chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 now this was the custom in the former times in israel one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other and this was an attestation in israel therefore the near kinsman said to boaz buy for yourself so he took off his sandal what did it signify when he removed the sandals he was in figure telling i forfeit my right hereafter to walk into that land you know how many interpretations have come for the spiritual interpretations have come for removing the sandals even god would not know that interpretation it was simply a custom it is culture in nazareth where from i come if you sell a land you should give sweets not the yellow sweet or the red sweet but white sweet so if i write it as for an identification or a mark of selling the land brother stanley when he sold his house he gave white sweet the next generation will interpret it was not red sweet it was not black sweet mind you it was white sweet <laughs> pure sweet he speaks about purity but you are resurrect stanley and asking he will say of all the colored sweets in the sweet stall only on the white sweet all kinds of lies will sit <laughs> you see the whole interpretation changes between one generation to the other Okay, we'll look at fourth example. Legal culture. Now, why did um, Elisha ask Elijah for the double portion of his spirit? He was not asking for double power and double miracles compared to his uh, father, Elijah. Double portion means that is a right of the firstborn. That's all. turn with me to deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 17 but he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has because he is the beginning of his strength there were so many prophets in the school of prophets of elijah now it was a time for the departure of elijah so elisha is asking him consider me as your successor in other words let that ministry come upon me treat me as your firstborn make me a successor in your ministry of prophecy it was not double the quantity of power but double portion means firstborn itself that is what isa without realizing the value threw away or sold away to his brother another example for legal culture binding and loosing you know jesus spoke about i'll build my church and then jesus spoke about discipline in the church he used the word whatever you bind here on earth shall be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven 
This binding and loosing were terms used in the judiciary. For some people, you condemn them. Now that is binding. Some people, you acquit them. That is loosening. This was what was used in Jesus' days in the Jewish judiciary. The scribes were borrowing that thought for their interpretation of the scripture. If they prohibit something, they will say binding. If they permit something, they will say loosening. Because they were the interpreters of the Mosaic law. What the scribe decides is accepted in the society. The same thing now Jesus transfers to the apostolic authority of the New Testament. Because they were now going to write the scriptures for the New Testament. Now the interpretation is no more with the scribes and Pharisees. They are not going to be the foundation of the church. The foundation of the church are going to be apostles and prophets. No more the Pharisees and scribes. So he transfers the foundation responsibility from the scribes and the Pharisee community to the apostolic and the prophetic community. Now that he begins with Peter. Because for any interpretation, Jesus is the key for any interpretation. Without Jesus, you can't unlock the scriptures. Jesus gave a test to Peter. Whom do you say that I am? You are Jesus, the son of the living God. Okay, Peter, now you have the key. Now no more with the Pharisees and scribes. Now on the apostolic foundation, now I am going to build the church. Now you have the keys with you. Now you are going to interpret the scriptures for the New Testament church. If you prohibit something, I will declare it prohibited in heaven. If you permit something, I will permit it in heaven. You, Paul, you move into a Corinthian church. And you tell them you do this, heaven, I will say, yes, do that. And if you say more than two or three people in a church don't speak in tongues, I will endorse it in heaven. And Paul will say, if any man considers himself spiritual or a prophet, let him know that what I write are the commandments of God. If you prohibit something, I will declare it prohibited in heaven. If you permit something, I will permit it in heaven. So binding and loosing, that's what it means, nothing more. We'll continue our study in the next segment. God bless you.